Welcome to Sermon Underwear, a podcast where we hear conversations, stories, and questions behind the sermons preached at First Lutheran Church in Milford, Iowa. Our title comes from the idea that one of our professors once shared with us. In preparing for a sermon on any given week, there's lots of situations, conversations, and study that goes into crafting any single sermon. But a lot of that never actually gets revealed or mentioned in the sermon. So all of that stuff is called the sermon underwear. It's there, just like underwear that you put on every day, but nobody sees it. So here in our podcast, you get to hear some of the underwear that goes into each sermon. Here we are, Barry and Brian coming to you from the wedding room. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that's going to raise all kinds of questions just at that. So today we have four different texts that we're going to take a look at. First one is from 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, and I'll read that. For some time, while Saul was king over us, it was you who led out Israel and brought it in. The Lord said to you, It is you who shall be shepherd of my people Israel, you who shall be ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and at Jerusalem he reigned over all Israel and Judah for 33 years. And then we fast forward a little bit to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David and all the people with him set out and went from Baliel, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. They carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went in front of the ark. David and all the house of Israel were dancing before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. That's the end of the readings from Samuel. Okay, and then we have tied with that Psalm 150. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty firmament, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his surpassing greatness, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with lute and harp, Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Right. I'll be bringing my lute with me on Sunday. All right. Awesome. I think I'll just try to dance. <laughs> okay. And then our last text is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. Many people spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So a lot of shouting and praise and singing and dancing. Yeah. So why are they so excited anyway? Or why is David happy? Well, as I look at it, it's the the ark. Now, some may think, well, Noah had an ark, and what's the difference between this ark and that ark? Noah's ark was a boat, and this ark is actually kind of like a suitcase uh, that had within it the Ten Commandments and a couple of other uh, 
things from the time of the Hebrews coming out of Egypt. So this ark was essentially a suitcase that they carried around, that the Israelites carried around through the wilderness in the tabernacle and uh, was to hold the presence of God or that God's presence was there. That was the symbol that God was present with them. So they're kind of excited about this. If, if I remember right, too, they, they've had the ark stolen away from them before, too, and that's this understanding that when God is present with them, um, all God's power and authority and blessings are there, too. So they'd taken it into war. They understood that it was God that was helping them win these victories. So wherever this ark or, or suitcase, as you put it, uh, was <laughs> with them, there was God's favor. And I was doing some study about this, too, about the city of Jerusalem, that it was not owned by any of the tw 12 tribes at this time either. But then uh, David took it over and made that the central capital. And so you've kind of got also here, David is celebrating a centralized capital. And with that, a centralized government, uh, he's united the tribes underneath him and also a centralized place of worship. So there's this great uh, unification that's happening around God here that's, that's being celebrated on this day too. Yeah, so unification and God's presence really being brought back within that place. Obviously, that would be a time for joyous dancing and singing and praising to give give thanks and glory to God. So is it right for me to dance in worship, go out in the aisle and, and dance up and down? I guess it depends on what part of the service you're doing it in. <laughs> <laughs> so, so where is it okay for me to do that if I just want to break out and dance? Mm, I, I guess... Uh, yeah, it would probably be be distracting if it was during the sermon, but <laughs> but there's been distracting things in services before, so I could maybe get past that. But uh, I would say during the songs, especially, would be a great time to be uh, be dancing. But also, as I think about it, maybe in the times of confession and forgiveness at the end of. End of that statement would be a great time to to dance and show joy to God. Another time which would seem totally inappropriate would be as you're coming back from communion <laughs> to be to be reminded that again that you are free from from that sin and that God is again present in your in your body as you've eaten the elements. I think there's something really powerful about that though, the, the idea of, and I'd love to see somebody do this during worship, but after the, uh, the confession and hearing those words of forgiveness or after receiving communion, and there, there we're talking about God's presence there too, Christ in the flesh and the blood uh, in communion, there really would be kind of this deep understanding of like this unashamed expression of, I really am free in Christ, I'm free in the presence of God. I'm not worried about what other people think about me. Just I know what God thinks about me. You know, here's here's one of my own with whom I'm well pleased. Kind of that scene that David is is celebrating there. God with him and this unashamed celebration of that. Yeah, and David was living into it. And even as he lived into it, there were people who didn't really feel his celebrating was appropriate. And one of those was his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and and so he, he got into some trouble for that. So it, I guess it could be interesting to see how dancing would go over in church. That's kind of the unspoken part of the story, too, is that David is eventually gets to the point where he's dancing in the nude and uh, really embarrasses his wife. But again, it's this complete uh, joy and celebration of um, of how God sees him and his unashamedness uh, in all of that. So I guess as I as I think about then the gospel text, as 
we see Jesus entering into the city of Jerusalem. And it's only three verses that we get. But again, that's that's a, a celebration of the presence of someone coming to save, someone coming to rescue. I believe Hosanna means save us, that people are excited about this descendant of David who is coming to build the new kingdom and free them from their oppressors and and listen to their needs and their concerns and and really bring joy back into their lives after they've been dealing with the oppression of the Roman army. Yeah, and you can kind of see there too this unconcerned or unafraid. I mean, so there in the New Testament reading, there's people who are being oppressed, um, but they're not concerned. They're just so excited to think that here comes a savior that they're they're not afraid to celebrate that and openly uh, recognize is coming in that place as well. So I guess one of the one of the things as I have digging into this for the for the sermon this week is the idea of joy and where does joy come from and and what brings us joy and one of the topics that were were discussed at at one of the studies that I went to this week was the idea of how when we have someone who who listens to us listens to our concerns and cares about us that brings joy to us because it helps us to understand that we are important, that somebody cares about us. And I believe that that is what Jesus embodied. And that was probably a large degree as to as why the why the people celebrated Jesus that day. He was listening to them. He, he cared about their needs and their hurts and their struggles. Right. So I, I guess where where I'm looking at going with this sermon is challenging us to to find the joy in our lives. And if joy comes from somebody knowing we are alive and knowing that we are cared for and loved, how do we see God's presence in our lives, I guess, is, is the question for me. And can that then help bring joy to us? So where do we see God in our lives? Where does God show up and uh, listen to us? Where do we see uh, God God caring for us? I guess, I guess within the within the church service, we we see God's God's presence in in the sacraments, in the waters of baptism, and in uh, Holy Communion, in the in the bread and the wine, and that that physical presence is there. But also, I think we we understand in these in the stories that we hear from Scripture that we are our God's people and that he does hear our cries and he does understand our hurts and is is with us in those dark times and even though things don't always go right we can still have that joy knowing that there is someone there to listen to to our cries of agony our cries of joy and those things that make our hearts hurt all right so what we'll do every week is to give you a few questions to ponder on this uh, topic, or if you're doing this with uh, with a group, these are questions that you can use for your group. So the first question is, what is the last celebration that you attended? And then, um, based off of that question, what was it that was worth celebrating? Um, so why were you there, there celebrating? So when you were at that celebration that you just thought of, think about the people that were there. Hopefully there was some people there celebrating with you. And who brought you joy um, being in their presence or knowing that they were a part of this celebration? And then our last question is to, so we're talking about David bringing the ark into into Jerusalem, into the centralized capital. And so how does imagining Christ moving into the center of your life uh, shape the way that you live and that you that you think about your future, to imagine your future and imagine Christ 
at the center present in that future? How does that shape the way that you live each day and experience it? And maybe how does that also then bring joy to your life? All right. Thanks for listening. And we hope that we can come up with another one next week.